Good evening, and welcome to episode 92 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight, our panelists include 2015 and 2016 regional top eight competitor Hollis Echo. Hey, guys, what's up? 2015 regional champion and 2015 Australian Nationals top eight competitor Wilfie Horrig. Hello. And lead designer and developer of Android Netrunner Damon Stone. Hello. Uh, Damon, welcome on once again for your, your third time's the charm guest spot on The Winning Agenda. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy morning to... Uh, jury rig up a recording system in what I can only assume be your kitchen to try and get in contact with us. Yeah, uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me again. And yes, as a matter of fact, it is a jury rig system in my kitchen. Maybe this the series of tubes are not working so well. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, we should also mention that we're actually super transcontinental this episode because Jesse is recording from a hotel in Sri Lanka. No, so we also need somebody from Britain because remember that's not part of Europe. Oh, in with the sick burns. <laughs> wait, wait, too soon? <laughs> All right, so the, the burning question on everybody's minds is the uh, latest uh, hellfire that Damon has rained down upon the Netrunner community in terms of the updated Most Wanted list and the FAQ, which has uh, eroded two, two of the most memorable cards in Netrunner history uh, recently. Which did we oh. want to talk about first, the FAQ or uh, the MWL? Wait, is that why I'm here? <laughs> is that why you're here? Uh, <laughs> I, I we could also talk about one of your many which... other hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any recipes, please. I thought it was going to be which of my favorite runners is actually being released in this cycle. But I'll talk about the uh, most wanted list in FAQ. I mean, why not? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we'd appreciate that if you could. Uh, so maybe uh, just first we'll we'll touch on the FAQ because only a couple of things in there that we uh, really want to get out there. Uh, so, obviously, the addition, uh, well, the errata on AstroScript pilot program to now read limit one per deck. Uh, Astro has since been removed from the most wanted list, so it will no longer cost you an extra influence, but you can only have one in your deck. So, Damon, what was the reasoning behind that? You said you used the most wanted list to try and see if that would shake up the meta by reducing the influence of the decks that were playing a powerful card like that, and obviously the results was uh, not quite to your satisfaction, so you believe that the errata was necessary? Well, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, we have for a while believed that AstroScript Pilot Program was too powerful, um, and for a while, I mean probably about three years, uh, it was really just a case of if we were going to, if we were going to be able to see a change in general play styles, um, other NBN type, um, decks having really any sort of presence, you know, maybe we would have thought for a while, like, okay, well, maybe it's not really just as overpowered as we think, but just again and again, you know, it proved very clearly to be the best 3-2 agenda in the game. Um, and so there were a couple of choices available to us, and the first one was putting it on the most wanted list. And that saw almost no change whatsoever. Uh, NBN was still showing up in, you know, amazing numbers. It was still doing incredible incredibly well as far as making top cuts and in its just general you know dominance uh of the the mindscape of the metagame and the other choices available to us then come down to some sort of functional errata or a case of just outright banning the card um 
generally speaking, corset card making any of those three things is going to carry some far-reaching uh, effects, runs the risk of unintended consequences, and there is always the whole side of just your general uh, recognition that <laughs> that the whatever you do is going to have um, some some resistance within the company itself because it is again a core set card. So being able to demonstrate that this card was problematic um, and that the change that we had made an attempt to help control its power level had you know pretty much gone unnoticed. Uh, I was able to convince uh, the powers that be that it needed something additional. Um, I am against banning a card that is anything other than completely degenerate. The card itself has to be degenerate, not just, you know, oh my gosh, it helps accelerate this or it does this other thing. The card itself just has to be, you know, completely bonkers. Um, otherwise, I would like to try the other steps first. You know, I'm not saying we're against banning a card, but if there are other things we yeah. can do that will solve it, at least you, your cardboard can still go into your deck. So, um, you know, the choices were making it a 4-2, making it a 3-1, or limiting it one per deck. Uh, and we thought about it, what would have the lowest impact on uh, mind space? And again, much like the most wanted list, the idea of, well, I have all the time in the world to spend while I'm making my deck. I only have to think about this kind of thing once. And then my deck is made, and I don't have to ever think about it again. Um, yeah. Has the lowest level of interpersonal impact. Uh, while still having a quite sizable impact on its ability to um, power uh, decks. So the limit one per deck was the choice that I went with. Seriously consider all of them. Um, banning was the only one that I didn't really consider and I wouldn't have considered unless after, you know, trial and error, it became obvious that all three of those would simply not do what we were looking for at all. But it would still just create way too much of a tempo swing and cause you know, I believe it was something on the order of almost 50% um, of the top eight to end up being uh, NBN. And um, now that you mentioned that, Damon, was it the, um, uh, we had Benjamin uh, at Dodgepong uh, compiling a lot of regional information from around the world. Was that something really useful for you in analyzing the global metagame and coming to these decisions in general? Part of the requirement for uh having a regional, or I should say running a second regional, is reporting a number of tournament uh, information back to us. So we had all of the information, um, but it's really having it out in the community and having the community having the discussion becomes a really powerful tool that I can point to the executives and like, hey, so we have this data, but in addition to us having this data, they have it and they are well aware of like the preponderance of NBN. Because 
there's there's a distinct difference between us perceiving a problem and you perceiving a problem, and it really works both ways. If we don't think there's a problem, but everyone else does, then for all intents and purposes, there's a problem. That's really interesting for you to hear, Damon, because、uh, for us to hear from you rather,、um, and I think a lot of players would be really, really happy to hear you say that.、Um, as a, you know, a person who invests, you know, a lot of time and energy in really loving a game,、um, to hear that the developers and the company that makes the game is listening to that feedback that comes through and actively considering it in their thought process is really heartening. So thank you for that. You know, I've been quoted before as having said, you know, perception is reality. If you Think if everyone thinks something is a certain way, everyone will act as if it's that way. So, for all intents and purposes, it is that thing. Even if you know, I can point out and go, well, actually, you know, here are these other things that you're not considering. But if everybody still does not consider it, like you know, Wayland is Wayland is just no good. Nobody should play Wayland. Criminal is no good. Nobody should play Criminal. Well, if nobody plays it because everybody thinks that it's no good, then my pointing out this card or that card is, you know, not going to have any traction, right? It's just as if those factions actually were bad. So if everybody believes that you know NBN is the best deck, the strongest deck, if you want to win, you have to play NBN. You know, Even if we believe that there are other decks that are just as strong, or potentially even stronger in certain matchups, but nobody is even looking at those because NBN, then we have to treat it as a problem. The other card that has significant errata was Museum of History, which has been、uh, a lot of people have referred to as the scourge of the meta game over the past、uh, three to five months. <laughs> <laughs> And、uh, while、um, the community might believe this to be a knee-jerk reaction,、uh, was was this something that you had considered based on that same regionals data?、Uh, honestly, no. the The various IG Ingarian decks were not showing up in force、um, when they were showing up. Most of them weren't making it to the top eight. The ones that were making it to the top eight were frequently piloted by excellent players who probably could have made it with just about any good deck of their choice.、Um, but there were some. I think. I think there were some、um, some minor issues with the card.、Uh, one of the things that a lot of people、uh, I was aware of were talking about is like how it changes the clock on Netrunner. Yeah,、um, and the clock that they're referring to was only ever intended to be very loose.、Um, the real clock for the corp is not about them decking out, but it's about the runner getting a full rig、uh, plus economy engine setup. Once that happens, then it's just a matter of time before they get enough money、uh, to break through all of your ice to find your agendas.、Um, And there's little that the corp is able to do under those conditions.、Uh, but that said,、um, turtling up, spending all of your time putting out ice and gathering money, and then slowly scoring out agendas, does have its own clock. And that is, well, eventually you're just going to run out of cards from your deck, and then you lose as the corp. So having、um, having that. Requirement for the corp to actively score or make attempts to actively、uh, flatline the runner is has some you know distinct level of importance,、uh, and the ability for the museum to put back 
uh, was it three cards per per turn, especially if you start off with one in play from you know your first or second hand, and then you just get into your others very early in the game. It it becomes R and D becomes incredibly difficult to um, find your agendas. Archives is kind of a never find unless you're facing off against a uh, a discard deck. So making it so that you could only have one in play makes uh, makes it a lot more difficult to just sit back and wait for the runner to make a mistake. You actually have to put your own game forward. Uh, yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will be. I just, I just wanted to go back to AstroScript a little bit. Uh, I remember that last time you came on our show, you said that AstroScript was... Um, probably the reason or the main impetus for the MWL being created and you couldn't see it being ever taken off the MWL in the sense that, you know, like you said, the NFPD could be on, be off, depending on the meta, but Astro, there's no way you could ever see it off. Now, like, I know that you did take it off now, but that wasn't what I meant. I guess the point is that does the fact that you tried it on the MWL for a little bit and now realize that you need to do something more extreme or more um, impactful, kind of change the way that you see the MWL? Or did it always, were you always thinking of it as, we're going to put it on the MWL, if that doesn't work, we're going to do something else? Or was it like, we're going to put it on the MWL because the MWL is the way that we want to deal with problems of this nature? Um, Does that make sense? It was, well, I mean, I don't think, yeah, it, it makes sense. I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, we have needed, since about year two, we have needed some method of dealing with cards that are just above the curve. Um, we've needed uh, a tool to help keep the metagame um, healthy. And the MWL, I believe, is a much better choice for this particular game than saying, here are a bunch of cards, choose one of them, and you may have a playset of that, which is how we do the restricted list uh, for all of our other LCGs. Um, it, it, it just that, I, I, and I stand behind uh, the restricted list as an excellent tool. I just don't think it's the right tool for this game. And just for our but, listeners' edification, a restricted list is a card that you can only have one playset of in your deck, and you can only have one restricted card, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So if, you know, Astroscript, Eli, Architect, and, you know, um, sure, Sansan all are on the restricted list, choose one of those, you can have three, you can't have any of the others in your deck. Yeah. But, you know, most of those games have no, no fundamental issues with including out-of-faction cards. So, you know, you, you might pay just a little bit more money, whatever their, uh, you know, resource is in that particular game, and then you can have any card from any faction in your deck. And that, you know, that comes with a much... A, a much stronger risk of uh, degenerate combos. All of our games do functional errata or ban cards 
as it is proven necessary. Generally, uh, unless the card itself by itself is just overwhelmingly warping, they don't, they don't ban things. Um, if they are broken in some fashion, allow you to do things that should not be allowed to be done in the game, but there is a way to curb that in some way, or at least bring it down to a level where, okay, this is a thing, this is an effect that we probably are not going to revisit, but at least now it is not uh, crazy, then they'll do functional errata. But generally speaking, most cards will end up on the restricted list before going in that direction. Um, I just had one last question um, before we go into the MWL, and that was in relation to museum. The restriction on Astro as limit one per deck means you know you only have access to one full stop but museum's unique that's right yeah not limit one per deck so you could conceivably still have you know three in your deck and you can still mumbad city hall to tutor for all three but only have one res is that right um because that isn't i guess as harsh a penalty as what astros faced i know that in your um introduction to the or your description of the reasons there you know museum isn't as much of a problem and as much of a uh an issue as what astro was necessarily from your perspective but do you think that perhaps museum might need some further treatment down the track given that having one resed still sort of creates the problem of being able to recycle i guess my question is it's still difficult for a runner to effectively stop the court from having access to museum because they can still have three in play they can still be playing ig or gagar and it can still be difficult to deal with all three yes yes um all of our games do functional errata or ban cards as it is proven necessary. Generally, uh, unless the card itself by itself is just overwhelmingly warping, they don't, they don't ban things. Um, if they are uh, broken in some fashion, allow you to do things that should not be allowed to be done in the game, but there is a way to curb that in some way, or at least bring it down to a level where, okay, this is a thing, this is an effect that we probably are not going to revisit, but at least now it is not uh, crazy, then they'll do functional errata. But generally speaking, most cards will end up on the restricted list before going in that direction. So the MWL really is Netrunner's version of the restricted list. If there is a card that shows that it is a problem in its power level, um, and, you know, players are gravitating towards it or players are unable to find a solution against it, you know, it'll end up on the MWL sooner rather than later. And then once there, if it still shows to be a problem, then, you know, we'll take a, we'll take a harder, a harder look. All right, we might move on to the updated most wanted list. Uh, starting with the runner side, we've seen a, a very um, familiar package of cards added to the runner side. Uh, and while they usually do work together, I think it's probably worth talking about them one by one separately. Uh, the first card being uh, David. Um, actually, I am fine talking about them individually uh, because they are on there for different reasons. Or I should say, they are, they are on there in spite of the fact that they are 
frequently um, used together rather than on there because of what they do together. David is <laughs> David is an interesting card. Um, it is got a couple of things that we recognize uh, as being problematic. Um, one primary is the fact that it had a very chilling effect on uh, high strength ice, uh, particularly high strength ice that only had you know one, maybe two subroutines. Um, and watching you know the entire metagame shift to, okay, well, you know, I will not play any ice that has cost me more than five or six credits because that's about the spot where it's going to be underneath, you know, David's purview. Because being able to break it for free versus what I'm paying for is just no good. And then, of course, they run out of their David counters and they just recur it. Um, the other part is that, if I'm remembering correctly, David is... Um, not an AI breaker, so all the anti-AI uh, tech, he just simply bypasses. So that, yeah, so that makes it significantly difficult. Uh, well, the fact that it has uh, the ability to sidestep all that anti-AI hate um, just puts it in a place where it can do things um, that are incredibly powerful, and the corp has no direct means of of hitting it back short of course of ice that targets programs and most of those can be broken either by david or by you know any ai or uh regular breaker that they have so once david gets out on the board it makes that big ice just you know not worth the expense yeah, it made HB very, very sad. I think I'm um, yeah. not the only one who had a few games where they were like, oh, good, I feel really secure, and then their opponent just drops at David, and all of a sudden you've got, you might as well not have any ice on the board. Um, mm -hmm. It was one of the considerations, not just uh, how it invalidates a lot of those ice, but also uses, um, and I'm sure we'll touch on this when we talk about Faust in a moment, but also uses a resource other than credits to break, um, break subroutines? Actually, no. Um, that in of itself is not the part that, uh, I believe was problematic. Uh, it is, it is really just the fact that the amount that you're paying for David plus not having to pay money, uh, is a problem. Like, honestly, if David costs eight or nine credits and then it did its thing and then removed itself from the game, I'd have no problem, right? Because it can't be recurred for the additional stuff. You're paying a bunch of money for those breaks that you're going to get up front. It's just that it is very affordable, and it gets you through your super strong ice. It would normally cost you a lot, and I can just keep bringing it back again and again and again and again and again and again. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> so that's not to say that, you know, Eventually, when Lunar Cycle rotates out, that you won't see something similar to uh, David, you know, a, a natural um, inheritor of David's thing. But the cost is really going to require you, I mean, if something like this ever gets revisited, and I'm not saying that I have any plans to do so, um, but, you know, the cost will definitely 
the cost to install it will include any um, discounted cost you would get on the braking. Because I think it's it's that com- it's that specific combination of things that makes David problematic. Like any one of them, I don't have an issue with, and I don't think is too strong. It's just that basic, yeah. Basically, David has no downside. David's one downside is that well, eventually, it has no you know it has no ability to break stuff. And the response to that, of course, is well, put another one into play or trash that one, and then just put it back into play again. Yeah. You find yourself in a situation just trying to bait out runs so people waste their David counters so you can try to get back to playing the game, yeah. which is uh, an interesting sort of way to go about playing Netrunner. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's still not that different from the overall shell game. Like, I have a thing here. You you should be running on this. You really should. Oh, you ran on it. Hey, that's great for me. Bad for you. Like, that to me is a fundamental part of Netrunner. So, sussing out whether or not you should be wasting David counters on this run or if you should be saving them for that run, I think is a good thing. I think that it is an an important aspect of play. It's just, again, the fact that they can just bring it right back, that installing it is not costing a lot, that you don't have any direct uh, way of benefiting from the fact that David is in play or being able to target it with something like Swordsman or... Yeah, you know, what have you? Uh, uh, moving on to uh, Faust, the the card probably known as the scourge of the metagame on the runner's side over the the past Museum of History period. Um, I think uh, even I was listening back to our card review when we talked about Faust being released, and we uh, a lot of people underestimated how powerful it could be. Uh, so, what was it that? brought Faust onto the MWR. We talked about its ubiquity and when we were talking about David, how, you know, make, letting the runner break subroutines for a resource other than credits was a problem. Uh, what was it about Faust that really uh, worked its way onto the MWL? Um, well, to be, to be clear, I don't think breaking um, subroutines with something other than credits is a problem. It's just a case of, it, does that thing... Is it limited in scope, or is it important enough to be treated uh, um, with some level of um, trepidation uh, in the way that credits are? Um, honestly, I think Faust is mostly fine. Uh, the thing that made Faust go all, you know, topsy-turvy was the vast, you know, exodus of uh, players from Wayland. When you don't have a ton of meat damage out there that is constantly threatening you, tossing away a whole hand to get through to grab an agenda seems perfectly fine. Um, NBN Butcher Shop was not in and of itself enough because that was always that was more frequently played as an ongoing threat if you just, you know, were uh, playing sloppy. It's not like that was their primary, you know, winning condition for most of the people playing it. It was, I'm going to score out real fast, but if you decide to get really sloppy trying to beat me in the scoring out, I can kill you. But, you know, Faust, uh, Faust decks would frequently 
feel that, you know, okay, well, I'm going to face a lot of NVN, but I can play, I can mostly play around with Scorch. Um, but if it wasn't just, you know, say 40 some odd percent of the people you were playing likely to have some form of kill, but it was high as 50 or even 60 percent, Faust starts looking really, really scary. Faust doesn't become your primary breaker. Faust becomes the okay, here's a thing that I have to get through because this is potentially game point. I'm going to use Faust to get in and grab that agenda. Or I think that that might be the first of his Astra script uh, agendas, and if I can prevent him from doing that, then he can't, he can't chain them together. Uh, you know, Faust becomes something that you rely on because you don't have your other stuff as opposed to, you know what, I've got Faust, I'm just going to start running wild. One thing I have to ask in regards to Faust, when we spoke about the MWL when it first appeared, um, we spoke about Yogg, and one of your reasons for putting Yogg on the MWL was the fact that it invalidated so many uh, code gates, you know, low-strength code gates. Yeah. Uh, I, I found personally, as a player who likes to play, you know, they call rush rush decks with uh, gear check ice, um, that Faust did invalidate quite a lot of those very low-strength, cheap, single subroutine uh, ice that really are across the board. Uh, was was that something you took into consideration as well, or was it more just the you know the the lack of the meat damage threat as it was in the meta game? Um, honestly, I think that it was mostly the lack of meat damage. Um, the ability to get through gear check ice early. I mean, that's that's a choice, right? I don't have to make my deck mostly that kind of ice. Uh, but here is where Faust and David play off of each other. Is that if I, if I make a really well balanced ice suite, then, you know, I have my early gear check ice because that's what it's there for. I pay for it. I can play it and res it to protect, you know, my agenda that I laid down on my first or second turn. The runner probably doesn't have the right piece of, uh, breaker to be able to get through. And I'm likely to be able to score out one or two points. But as we get, you know, six or seven turns in, that gear check ice should not be particularly good. You know, the runner should be in a, the runner should be in a position where they have a couple of breakers, um, or they have, you know, they have their barrier breaker and maybe an AI, or their century breaker and maybe an AI, and they feel like, okay, I feel like I can actually start really running now, and I'll find my other piece soon. Um, so that kind of, you know, gear check eyes, that cheap, single uh, subroutine stopping them ice is supposed to eventually have to be replaced with stronger, more expensive ice. And that's where David, yeah, and that's where David invalidated that second half, made Faust um, a really strong choice against what uh, players were putting into their deck. So why include this bigger stuff if it's just going to be invalidated by David, but Faust is doing what Faust is supposed to do, which is what all AIs do, which is let you through, you know, the less strong one or two subroutine ice in, you know, a not horribly efficient fashion, but good enough. So it's, that's where they played off each other. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, that's the problem. So I think that if there were more 
if there was more damage being played, um, if it could be, if there was more damage that you had to face during the run, if you ended your turn without, you know, a full group of cards, there was a much higher chance of the game just being over for you. I think you'd see Faust used only in that first couple of early runs. I don't think you would see Faust nearly as much in the middle game, and almost certainly not in the late game, where you know the corp generally has a bunch of money, is sitting on a couple of great kill cards if they are playing that style of deck. And every time you use Faust and drop down to one or two cards, you risk just flat out losing the game. So I think it's a combination of the two. Faust, yeah, that all seems to make a lot of sense. Um, I was just going to say that I noticed you did say, Brian, that we underestimated Faust, which is almost certainly true, given that I think that for a while, maybe not at this point in time, but maybe for two to six months after it came out, it was the best runner card, so I think it would have been fairly difficult. Maybe maybe post, after Cloneship got MWL'd, but before uh, the bioethics got printed, I think it was probably the best runner card. So it would have been fairly difficult to not have underestimated it. Um, but also, I think it's funny, uh, Damon, that you say that Faust, the reason before uh, Faust, you said that the reason you pointed, not before Faust, but before you talked about Faust, the reason that you pointed um, David is because it's, it is too cheap for what it does and it allows you to break for a resource other than credits. And it does that very efficiently, um, all of which, uh, like the lay the cost to set up this card which gives you this ability is too low to begin with and if it cost eight or nine and got rid of itself it would be fine and i find it funny that faust has not this kind of has similar properties and also works so well with david like you can use them both in the same strategy and they cover opposite ends of the spectrum in that they're both they as brian said they allow you to set up a six cost two-card rig, which is just absurd compared to the cost that the runner has to spend to be able to keep you out, and uh, the corp, rather, has to spend to be able to keep you out. And, of course, um, the struggle of how to keep Faust David out together has been basically the issue for corps that are trying to use ICE to protect their servers ever since um, Faust was printed. I don't know if that was a question. I don't think that, that was ever... It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess I will ask a question then, just so, because Brian said any questions, because Faust, David, have sort of similar properties in this respect, and then Wildside is a different thing entirely. Was there any... I assume there must have been some consideration to pointing some of the other cards that go in generally the Anarch engine. I'm thinking of specifically Adjusted Chronotype, and I've had worse. Um, but of course there are other similar cards. Why, you can talk about this now or after Wildside, why, what were some of the decisions that led, led you to focus on the three cards that you ended up adding to the MW? Um, well, David was just problematic. Um, you know, David was a card that pretty much just needed to go on. Uh, it was actually a card that I had considered in the first edition of the MWL. Um, it was not added at that time, mostly because uh, I didn't want to spring a lot of stuff on the uh, players 
all at once. So I wanted to, okay, let's get this. Let's see how people react. Let some of the fear die down. Get people to, rather than arguing about the need for the list, they start talking about what should have been on there or what should go on there next. And once that conversation is shifted, then, you know, I can make, you know, another tweak here or another tweak there and, you know, have some, uh, have a little bit more cachet with the, uh, the, the fan base, with the community, as opposed to, here are all the cards that I believe are problematic all at once. And so the, the, again, the, the fact that David uses an alternate um, resource to break, uh, to break ice is only problematic because its cost does not take that into account. Um, because power tokens, power, uh, power counters don't have any functional worth in the game itself, which is not the same thing of a card in hand. A card in hand is your life. So that has an inherent cost. Um, it requires you to replace that card if you want to ensure that you don't end up dying by running into something ridiculous. Like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and spend some... I'm, I'm going to spend the money to install this card. And uh, I know I don't have a whole lot of money, but I have a, I have a Faust, so I'm just going to make a run here and then end up losing the game because you ran into a pup? Like, you know, that can happen. I've seen that happen. Um, I mean, admittedly, <laughs> it was somebody who yeah. was really just, you know, I net decked this. I really don't understand how all these cards are supposed to work in the larger scheme of, like, the strategy. So I'm running on my last click, and I, you know, end up without having the money to pay down on a pop, so I end up with one card in my hand when my turn ends, and I just died to a double neural EMP. You know, but that kind of thing can happen, and that is honestly the way that dealing with Faust should have uh, been the the thing that slows its development, constantly keeps it in check, makes it part of that early breaker suite that gets discarded for you know proper breakers, the way that most AIs really should be. Um, but when you match David for that higher end and then you have Faust, that's where it becomes, you know, problematic. And the meta had shifted away from large chunks of meat damage outside of pretty much just one deck. And so it's like, oh, I'm playing NBN NEH, so I now know to just use my Faust sparingly the next card on the list is Wildside, and uh, this is a card that's been around for a very very long time and I, I remember when i went to one of my very first game nights I ever played and i got my participation promo which was Wildside. <laughs> and i remember thinking when am i ever going to use this and then you flash back flash back 18 flash forward 18 months and I, i've got it in you know like three or four different decks a play set of each alternate art or whatever uh so it was the addition of Wildside mm -hmm. because it had been around for so long to no one's complaint Based purely um, on this interaction with Faust yes. and Chronotype? Wildside, I think, is actually a perfectly fine, balanced card. Um, I actually think that, um, overall, it's a card that com 
could come off the list. Actually, I think Faust is a card that could come off the list, depending on how the metagame shifts, you know, between now and, you know, Faust rotating out or, you know, what have you. Um, wild side losing the thing that makes it balanced. Uh, that automatic loss of a click, uh, with adjusted chronotype specifically with Faust in addition to I had worse, um, just feeds that engine. Yes. I mean, uh, you stated that, you know, um, the inclusion of Wildside onto the most wanted list was because of its interaction with Chronotype, Faust, and how they all work well so well together to completely remove that drawback. Um, at any point in time, uh, was Adjusted Chronotype considered for the list? And what ultimately led it to win out? Um, what, what led Wildside to win out to be added to the list as opposed to Adjusted Chronotype? Uh, yeah, I actually went back and forth about it. Um, first, it was just Faust. And then it was, well, maybe wild side or adjusted chronotype, adjusted chronotype or wild side. Um, and the reason why I chose wild side is because adjusted chronotype could conceivably be used with other cards. Um, and is, has no real problematic interaction that has been shown. It's only problematic when those two cards are together and we were not seeing, um, wild side show up with any kind of regularity um or really at all outside of you know adjusted chronotype so i could hit the the one that is drawing cards um and losing its uh, drawback to this other card or i could hit this other card that also interacts with a few non-problematic cards and therefore those would almost certainly never be considered to be added. So I just chose wild side. It was a, it was pickup. You know, I could have flipped a coin. Uh, but in the end, knowing that adjusted chronotype could potentially empower, uh, other cards to be played, which are not, and wild side pretty much just wouldn't. Um, it was the reason why it got added to the list instead. All right, so moving on to the corpse side, we have an addition of two cards, uh, but both of which I think the community was probably not expecting to a huge degree. Uh, first card being Breaking News, and uh, there's been some speculation that uh, you might have still felt that MBN needed to take a hit in influence because it was going to be losing Astro Script. So uh, was it more the interaction between something like a 24-7 news cycle which which was making which makes breaking news a cause for concern. Uh, it was twenty four seven and uh, exchange of information um, that made breaking news a strong consideration. Um, but another part of my reasoning there was that uh, breaking news was really feeding into the NBN kill deck, uh, and by NBN kill deck I mean the NBN rush package that also happened to kill. And by putting it on the list and bringing down AstroScript, you're really put into a position of, do I want to go all in on fast advance or do I want to go all in on kill? But being able to go all in on both at the same time is just a little much. Well, some people would argue that the, the first iteration of the MWL did sort of neuter that strong two-pronged attack. Um, so did you get the sense that it wasn't neutered enough to your liking? 
that uh, obviously with these new changes, people will definitely have to choose one or the other, and they won't have access to both. Uh, yeah, I would say I would say mostly that I was still seeing a fair amount of it, and I thought it was still just too easy to import the best things that you need to be able to kill, and then include the stuff um, that was already present in NBN that allows it to fast advance. Um, and now it becomes a case of having to make that hard choice. I can't just grab, uh, I can't just grab three scorched earths and, you know, my, and my fast advance stuff that is already in house plus some, you know, astrobiotics, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> biotic labors and just be able to, you know, run roughshod on people. Uh, I really have to, to pay attention to where I'm going to go. So I can do, I can do one really well, or I can do a hybrid deck, which gives me a lot of flexibility, but it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to rush out this agenda. Uh, and now I'm going to have to advance this one the regular way because I can't afford all of the rush tools. And, oh, you're starting to play fast and loose and you're starting to float tags. And I managed to find my, one scorched earth or, you know, I got my traffic accidents or my punitive or, you know, what have you. Uh, any questions about breaking news? I think it's pretty straightforward. No, I think that it's been one of the stronger cards, not on the, on the MWL for quite a long time. Um, but are you, one thing I do want to note is that with the advent of two, well, not one MBN agenda, very commonly played MEN agenda has become limit one per deck and one has gone on the MWL and agendas I think are the one spot where there's the least amount of variability maybe that's not true across the board but I think in general yeah if you add one agenda to the most wanted list it's going to have a much higher effect because usually the power bands between agendas are higher than with other cards and so did you find that uh, doing both of these things at once, um, the Astro to one and the breaking news pointing, are you worried that that would have an overly large, or did, uh, I'm sure you did think about the fact that it will have a large effect on MBN's playability. Do you just think that it was so far above the curve at the moment that it shouldn't have been affected too much by that issue? I think it will affect its playability, but not in the sky is falling away that I, I think that some people are probably prophesizing right now. Um, it will bring NBN to a point where most of the other corporations have been living for the last two years, which is I have some really good agendas and I have some okay agendas. What is more important? You know, this cool effect or slotting in as many easy-to-advancing score agendas as possible. Between Breaking News and uh, AstroScript Pilot Program, they had both. Uh, okay, so the uh, the next card, uh, I'm immediately going to pass to you, Damon, because I really want to hear your thoughts as to why Mumba Temple is gone on the MWL. I think uh, there was a number of other cards I think a lot of people in the community would have put ahead of Mumba Temple to go on here. Uh, so what was the uh, what was the offense being occurred here? Um, money should matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Yeah. Using one to res the other was always pretty obnoxious. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's the, the fact that it is able to just make a bunch of money really easily for people, um, is, is, is a little problematic. Um, you know, two recurring credits is not, um, not a little, you know, one reoccurring credit is pretty good. Two reoccurring credits, uh, is really quite strong. Uh, the fact that it is res cards as opposed to res ice or res assets or res upgrades or like, it's not narrowed down to flexibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's problematic. So like, um, like NBN's core set identity has two recurring credits, but they're only usable on traces, right? It's not two recurring credits that you can use on any, you know, any piece of uh, any ice that you want or for any operation, you know, and even operation and ice would still be kind of like specific. Uh, but resin cards, there, there are too many card types, too many things that do a lot. The fact that we use the amount of money that it costs for a card to help balance out its trash plus its, uh, its trash cost plus how strong its ability is, it just makes them really easy. The fact that it's at 15 or fewer pieces of ice also is really not much of an issue because a lot of the problem decks these days are running like maybe a dozen pieces of ice. Some of them, um, particularly coming out of MBN, are running like eight pieces of ice. Um, so if it said 10 pieces of ice or fewer or eight or fewer, that would be like, I think that would have been a legitimate, oh, okay, well, I'd love to have those credits, but I'm not going down that low. So I guess uh, my question, it comes more or less from an area of concern, because I know when people start listening to this, listening to this they're going to ask this question so during the playtesting phase where a card like mumba temple was being worked with um was it the case where the prevalence of decks running less than 15 ice really wasn't that common or was it more or less uh, along the lines of well the card's probably just fine we're not going to see it really be used to the level that it's going to be used here uh, well, to be honest, I actually can't answer that. Um, while I was part of the design in uh, the design team while this cycle was being done, um, the Alliance cards specifically were created by Lucas, and Lucas and uh, Eric were running the uh, the playtest stuff. So I really don't know what that situation was. I was still dealing with. Um, uh, Agot, uh, a Game of Thrones, and, uh, I think actually even called Cthulhu at that point. So I just was not, uh, a part and party to the playtest. So I couldn't tell you how it was testing. I just know what the result was when it got into the hands of, you know, a few thousand players that they managed to find, <laughs> you know, a few decks that didn't need 15 ice and, we're making great use of it. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask quickly. I noticed that when we were talking about Museum of History, you mentioned, and Jesse asked whether it could see MWLing in the future. Jesse, uh, you said in response to that, that maybe it could, depending on how the format goes, and you would see after its six-month period had come off. And so that led me to think that that was, and you said before, that was probably an 
a reason for a card's inclusion or exclusion on the MWL, but if I recall correctly, um, Mumma Temple and Museum of History were printed at the same time. Uh, I think that's right. Can someone actually tell me whether that's right? I'm not sure whether they were certainly the same cycle. I'm not sure if they were the same pack. I think they were in the same pack. Well, maybe. Damon, surely you would know. I, I, th I actually <laughs> think that they were the same pack. Yeah. Um, which case, I would have misspoke about the Museum of History. I believe it is card 19 in, uh, in the cycle. So it was in that first data pack. Um, so yeah, it, it's perfectly fine for inclusion if it ends up still, still needing it. And I, I, should, I should be clear that I know that some uh, players had commented on how arbitrary six months is. And sure, it could be three months, it could be nine months. Um, but I do strongly feel that the players create the metagame and that it wouldn't be fair um, or healthy for me or anyone else on the design and development team to arbitrarily decide, well, you know what? We think this card is a problem. We're not going to even let you make an attempt at trying to sort it out. Uh, I think that the player base would actually react rather strongly and negatively to us just by fiat making changes to the game uh, without letting the players, you know, try and sort it out themselves. So six months is, I think, plenty of time for if a card is just released for it to sort of shake out for people to figure out what sort of counters and play style changes that can be made uh so unfortunately we have lost jesse marshall from the call it seems the uh, his uh, hotel wi-fi couldn't quite handle the uh the transcontinental interactions as well as we'd hoped uh but he did ask me to just follow up with one question after we got through the mwl and while obviously i'm sure there's lots of people that want to ask you why x card has not been included uh jesse really wanted to know your thoughts on mumbad city hall as that does seem to be a card that is enabling a lot of these quote-unquote degenerate strategies when it, in terms of the alliance cards uh, was mumbad city hall at any point considered for the list um actually yes uh but city hall had some yeah uh mumbad city hall has one particular thing, and that is that it hasn't hit its six-month mark. And that's actually what I was thinking about when I was just referring to Museum of History. So it was mainly the six-month yeah. mark situation. So we can certainly see it there in the future, just like any Potentially, yep. Yeah, excellent. So it's just one of those cases where the decks that it's showing up in that people are complaining about, um, like I said, you know, most of them are IG. There's a a couple of Gagarin builds out there, but they're not doing amazingly well. Um, you know, they're not overperforming, I would say. Uh, again, most of the ones that are actually winning are being piloted by some of, you know, our best players. Um, and if, you know, as, as much as some people like to, uh, to think that I actually go around looking at deck lists by Spags and Dan and like, okay, what am I going to ban next? What's going to go on the MWL? I really don't. I mean, they are amazing players, amazing builders, and you know that's just really not what this this list is for. Um, so, you know, I think that the biggest issue with Mumbad City Hall is not the click to search. 
Um, I think the problem was its interaction with uh, Heritage Committee, and that got adjusted and addressed in the FAQ. So if it hits its six-month mark and it is somehow you know, risen to the point where the decks that it's in, it's enabling them to just overperform, or you know, every corp deck is running it, uh, then yeah, inclusion is a distinct possibility. I don't think any of that is likely, but you know, I've definitely been wrong before about where the metagame is likely to go or how they're going to react to certain things. So we'll we'll see. With any uh, final questions, guys, for um, Damon before we uh, oh yeah, the questions that uh, we'll probably get, I can't talk about it right now. Um, obviously, with Faust being added to the most wanted list, and uh, and David also being added to the most wanted list. Um, while I agree, those cards definitely oversimplified like the Anarch rig. We're now in the position where the existing Anarch rigs, with you know Yogg being on the most wanted list, Mimic being you know Mimic being available and Corroder being available, um, they're stretching now definitely out of faction, um, or if not stretching out of faction, getting taxed fairly heavily for the inclusion of those cards. Can we expect to see more? And I'm going to use this term carefully. Jk, good. Anarch Breakers coming down the line? <laughs> um, I can't answer that. Uh, but not... The, well, good is subjective, Yeah, right? that's, the, that's exactly the reason why, is that good is subjective. Like, you know, people don't play Morningstar. Morningstar, I believe, is actually good. But people don't play Morningstar because there's Corroder. I, I played it before Clone Ship was pointed because I could cheat it into play out of mass. Mm-hmm. But now it's harder to do. Sure. With uh, yeah, what what can we do? It was a fun. T- it was a fun. Time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a fun. <laughs> <time to do. laughs> but that's that's I think is the thing is that I know that there's like oh my god you know Anarch has lost all of their stuff. It's like no, the Anarch core breakers are still there. If you want Yog, you just have to pay for it. Um, you know, if you want clone ship, you're gonna have to pay for it. Yes, if you want to grab all of the best cards that are in the game, you have to pay for it. That's what the influence system is for. Um, so you can still use without influence, uh, you know, two out of their three original breakers, you know, not including AIs. Um, you know, Yogg is used by a bunch of people for a reason. Um, if you don't think it's worth paying one influence for, then you know you have to ask yourself, well, how much influence am I willing to spend on a Codegate Breaker? I mean, unless you want to use Force of Nature, which is you know a choice, but you know in in construct <laughs> in constructed play, it is probably not the best choice. So you will get other breakers. You'll get breakers of each type in upcoming sets because everybody gets breakers of each type at some point. Um, you know, will you consider them good? I don't know. I think that there are some good breakers that are coming in the uh, Flashpoint cycle. I think Null and Omar... Would you like to talk about any of this? Null and Omar are each getting at least (laughs) one breaker that, you know, is meant to be one of their breakers. And I think their breakers are very interesting. Cool. Did you want to like tell us uh, what they cost, what they're called, what uh, they do? Well, I will that? tell you that Omar's breaker is not Black Orchid. That is not its name. Okay. It All is right. Black Orchestra. Oh, we know. Oh, Black Orchestra. Oh, okay. That's quite an ominous title. Wait, I think uh, uh, anybody, 
Breaker was the one we just got today, Obelus. Obelus is his console. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, of course, of course. So somebody out there might get curious and start uh, Googling Black Orchestra, and it might start to make a little bit of sense. His name's Omar, Omar, right? yes. Omar Kong. I'm so, are, are you in charge of the flavor text? Because I feel you missed an opportunity to make a great wire reference and just chose not to. <laughs> um, Dan <Okay>. Clark <laughs> and I uh, do most of the flavor text, and um, we did actually contemplate that, and we both decided that we weren't <laughs> going to do it because it was too easy. It was too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, too easy. Yeah. Well... Maybe in the future. Maybe. Uh, Damon, was there any uh, final f- <laughs> any final comments or final thoughts you wanted to share with the community before we send you off? Um, no, no. Thank you very much for having me. No, thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and uh, thank you for your uh, your insight and honesty, as, as usual. We look forward to having you on again in the future if you are willing to do of so. Of course, I'm always willing. Um, hopefully, uh, your numbers won't dip too low for having me on. And hopefully, the internet will be kind <laughs> to me. As if that were a thing. <laughs> Quite the opposite, I'm sure. Yeah, no, we've, we've got a pretty sure. tough skin. Oh, oh, Wilfie's diving in. I yep. say, um, uh, how excited are you for Worlds, Damon? I am very excited. I am very excited. Are any of you going? Yes, uh, we're, me, Hollis, and Jesse are all going. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm not uh, going I'm because separate. I'm going to Gen Con. Oh, okay, well, great. So, <laughs> you and I will catch yeah. a drink in a few weeks, and... Then the Excellent. rest of us will have to go out and grab a drink uh, at Worlds. Excellent. And will you sign a copy of Damon Dance for me? <laughs> yes, I will. You will. Excellent. Ah, great. All right, cool. I'm excited now. All right. If uh, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, you can do so at the Winning Agenda at gmail.com. You can shoot us a tweet on Twitter at Winning Agenda and go like us on Facebook. You too, Damon, if you haven't. Uh, like page is the Winning Agenda. Until next week, guys. Thank you for see, listening to us. See you guys. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening.